In the 1800s, the Wild West was a place that was void of God's law, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. More than 95% of Americans lived in places with fewer than 2,500 inhabitants. By 1830, the distance of the prairie needed circuit riders to spread God's word. Some called them saddlebag preachers. These were a different kind of clergy, used to long, dusty roads and lonely, empty spaces. They rode from church to church on horseback. These days, many of those same places still have less than 2,500 folks. The men and women who are called there are still a different breed of clergy. The frontier of ministry has shifted, and we find ourselves riding unmarked trails. The needs are different, but the call to reach men and women with the message of Christ is still the same. In the spirit of these circuit riders, we aim to meet a few of those specific needs. Welcome to the Circuit Riders Podcast. Here are Steve, Mike, and Doug, your hosts. Welcome to the Dirt Roads Network Circuit Riders Podcast. Yeah. Welcome back. We are in season four. I'm here with Mike Cool and uh, with Doug Rutledge. And uh, today we are talking about a difficult subject. We're having difficult conversations this uh, season. Yep. Today we're going to talk about turf wars. Yeah. And specifically in smaller communities and rural communities. How do churches get along with one another? And more than just get along, at some point, do they get on mission together? Because mm-hmm. we all like we all talk about that. We want we're all a part of the kingdom of God. And then you start a ministry that I wanted to start, and all of a sudden, we might not be about the kingdom of God. And so, which one of you wants to jump into this first? What do you guys think about turf wars? Ah, oh, man. Well, it exists. That's the reality. It exists. And, and we're going to have to learn to either deal with it or become conquerors. Um, I, think that, I think the hard thing is that when you're talking about turf wars, everybody feels entitled to the space they're standing on. And sooner or later, you're going to step on toes in ministry. Sooner or later, you're going to cross over a line. Uh, I've got a quick story that I'll share with this because I, I served at a church and they had a particular program and it was fading. It was fading out anyway. It, it had outlived its particular uh, energy, uh, and so the leaders were very. Uh, I I don't know if I'd say entitled, but they were definitely. They believed that God was still working and using it, and probably to some extent He was. But the church could no longer fund it or justify the space to give to it. I'm not going to name the ministry arm, but I'm just going to say, you know, the, the, the board had to have a very difficult discussion. What they decided to do is just not fund it and let it die of, <laughs> of being lonely. <laughs> they, they basically didn't address the fact that it was a turf problem. That's a good truck in the background. That's because we're here at the farm. But I'll just tell you that that's what happened, that they let the ministry die. That may seem unrelated, but what I mean is nobody was willing to say this is our boundary and this is our line. Um, It's hard to have this conversation because at some point we protect stuff that may be not God's best for our churches or our own ministries. Yeah, when you're talking turf wars, I was thinking maybe the difference between McDonald's and Burger King. Hmm. But, you know, in reality, I think that's our brain goes to competition. 
And, and that's really what turf wars are for me. You know, it's, it's interesting as a local pastor, and if we're all honest, we see a ministry that's pretty cool, and we think, man, that'd be really good in my church. And that's okay, like, to you know, steal ideas. But you're like, man, I wish I had that. Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit of, like, coveting going on. Mm-hmm. So a little issues of that. And I, I think for a lot of us, if, if we're honest with ourselves, this is one of those subjects that make us uncomfortable because we've all been on each side of it, hopefully on each side of it, not just one, where you've wanted something, and then it's hard. It's, mm. it's hard because then it's hard to cheer that person on because you think, man, I would like to have that. But here's the deal. If we do believe we're all on the same team, then maybe it's a win for everybody. And I think that's what the big question I come up when it comes to turf wars. What, you know, what are exactly is our um, standard and what is our metric for a, a healthy church or a healthy community? And what is our goal? What is our goal as a church? I'll tell you where I see turf wars um, really come out. Uh, it's is when we begin to talk about rural church planting. Mm. Whenever it doesn't matter. I was on a forum the other day with national rural leaders from multiple um, organizations, right? And they had developed a theology of rural ministry. And I'm like, you left off church planting. Okay, we need to have church planting. And the pushback was, if you come in and plant a church in the smaller community, you're going to destroy what's already there. Mm, and, wow. and so you aren't actually helping the kingdom wow. of God. You're destroying a church to build your own church. And I was, I, I had, you know, the, the intent of the heart there was right, but I was, it, it brought a bunch of thoughts to mind, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, and then we'll we'll jump into it. Well, there's so many so many tangential thoughts that <laughs> yeah. stemmed off of that, right? Number one, if a church in that community is so ineffective that a new church becomes a threat, it's it's time to step up and do some really hard evaluation as to whether or not the church is effective. I mean, uh, here in this little town of Reading, Michigan, there are 1,200 families in the town. There are 1,200. That doesn't include the township. Now we're not a mega town at all 1200 families at last count or at 1200 people excuse right, me yeah. at last count i i think you can add all of the churches in our immediate vicinity and we're not anywhere close to that we're yeah. we're, we're we're not even close to half well i think i read somewhere that you won't find very many counties where on a you know on a weekend worship you're going to have 20% of that county I don't think there's hardly any counties where more than 20% are active in their local church. It might even be lower at this point. Yeah, I think so. One of the things that I thought when, when I heard that, I thought, you know, if, if a church is willing to go through revitalization, this is my answer to that, by the way, yeah. when, they, when yeah. they say, you know, if yeah. a church is willing to go through revitalization and develop a new vision and begin to do things that will reach people that aren't being re- reached, I agree. Maybe we don't need to plant a church here. You can replant yourself. You can mm-hmm. restart. But many times, turf wars, are really what, they, what they're about at one, at one level is I don't want to change and I don't want anyone to encringe on my territory. I just want to keep things the way they are. Well, exactly. You know, it's interesting because I planted our church 17 years ago. The first thing I went to the local pastor's group, none of those pastors are there anymore. Their biggest thing was, why do we need another church here? You're going to steal our people. And I think <laughs> immediately it hit me hit me hard. I'm like, I'm not interested in the people that go to your church. Right. In fact, I think it would hurt me if I actually took them because they'd have different standards of what they'd want for church. And I think that's where we have to stop and mm-hmm. pause. I think both the theories that they were saying here, I think just to sum up a great word, is 
why are we so focused on the people that are already in the buildings? See, this is the, the idea of the McDonald's and Burger King. You're only just people to eat fast food. But, you know, I can't eat fast food anymore. Doug, I don't think, can you eat fast food anymore? Oh, no. Steve, well, maybe Steve does. I don't. Do you eat fast food anymore, Steve? What, what's that amendment where you don't have to incriminate yourself? Oh, you plead uh, the fifth? Uh, yeah, plead the, the fifth. fifth. So, yeah, so, so okay, two of the three here don't eat fast food. And my point is, why don't we go to two of the three people that aren't eating the fast food? Why are we going to go to the people that don't go to church? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that's a deeper question, because to quote our founder, John Wimber from the Vineyard, he used to say, it's like moving the deck chairs around the Titanic. It's yeah. sinking, and you're just interested in where the chairs are located. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about this in the next segment, but we're, where we're going to talk about uh, the transfer portal and how easy it is for disgruntled people to just move on yeah. and carry their grievances to the next place oh, they yeah. go. And I would say this, that if your target is the saved, you're poaching. <laughs> like you're poaching, get away from it. Your our objective is to win the lost. If yeah, that's exactly. why Jesus came, that's why I'm going into a community. And here's the sad thing: if if you do do it better, share the resource. Yeah. And if the other church is not willing to learn how, then God bless you for being the one church that's going to do it well. Right, and and I think that's the thing is is what is really the turf? You know, what are, what are we trying to take ground from? Yeah. And I think that's a bigger question. And yeah. so for me personally, I always find this interesting is when I hear a pastor like start comparing someone else in someone else's church or their church or whatever, and I'm like, yeah, they could probably say that about my church or your church. There's always something. Right. And, the, and the deal that I, I think we have to be honest for ourselves is that if we see the other church doing something well and they're doing it well and we can support them in that, yeah. it's a win for everybody. Yeah. One of our ministry philosophies, uh, we are a parachurch that works with uh, different denominational uh, churches. One of our philosophies is that, that kids will find the church that best meets their uh, spiritual DNA. And I have to rely on other churches to do their best job in meeting the spiritual needs of their own flock. I'm not, a, I'm not appointed as the judge over every other church's effectiveness. I'm just doing what we're supposed to do in a community. Right. I think so. Let's dive deep into this, okay? Because okay. the smaller the community, the harder this is. Okay, yeah, let's just is. acknowledge that. Right. Um, so, if you're in a community of three, four thousand, and there's let, let's say you're in a community of uh, fifteen hundred, yep. and there's five or six churches, um, you have two or three different dynamics going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you no doubt have people who've gone from your church to another church, and people from their church. You know, so you sort of have the swapping and the. Uh, mm-hmm the difficult feelings that that, you know, that, that that could create. Mm -hmm. You have the survival mentality that many churches have. We need to survive. Mm -hmm. And so, and you know, another church's success, I've, I've always believed that the hardest friend to have is the insecure friend because they're always worried about themselves. And Mm -hmm. many of us as churches, we're not good friends because our churches are insecure. You know, we're, we're, um, but, but when you talk about turf wars, the opposite of that is coming together to take on your community. Right. And, and I, in smaller, smaller settings and rural settings, I don't see a lot of churches actually partnering together to take that turf that nobody has. Can I can I just speak to that? Because I think our, our ministry model, being a hub youth ministry where mm-hmm. we share 
this RCI Rural Church Initiative among pastors. They, they get together, they pray together, we study together, we learn together, we're friends together. Every once in a while we have somebody who's like, yeah, but I, you know, th- here's, a, here's something I can't live with. And we can maybe talk about, you know, what makes us all heretics at some point. But I, I think for us, we have seen incredible cooperation between pastors who know each other and have relationship with each other. Then I have the ability to say, I trust their heart. This is the deal. I trust someone's heart, but I can disprove that by poaching. And, and, I, and you know what I mean? Somebody trusts me and then you steal their girlfriend. They're not going to trust you anymore. And I think we have to do some serious self-evaluation to ask, am I above poaching somebody else's flock if the opportunity avails itself? Or are we just flat out jealous? Can we just call a spade a spade? You know, like I've had those moments as a pastor, like, well, why do they get that? You know, or why, you know, why does that happen? Or I would, man, I want that. Not in a way that it's healthy, but in ways, well, maybe do they deserve that? Mm -hmm. Maybe pastor, if you had that thought, does that church really deserve that? I know what they've done. (laughs) And, And if we're, and in rural communities, if we're really honest, everybody knows that stuff. And, and the truth of the matter is, is it's a, it's a kind of a heart check for us, isn't it? Like what, what's our motivation? Like mm-hmm. in, and I, and I think that's what Doug is saying so well is like, you know, let's check our hearts at the door and see what it's like. Yeah. You know, in season two, we had Jeff Clark on here mm-hmm. and he had been a missionary to China for 13 years. And I guess I'm supposed to say Taiwan now <laughs> because of just some legal implications for him. But, um, he, 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 when he was over there, so he's a Southern Baptist guy. You know, I'm I'm with the Wesleyan denomination, and a Wesleyan missionary pastor had helped him when he had his heart attack, and you know, so so there was this commonality that formed there. But what I hear from missionaries is that when you're on the mission field, denominations get along with each other. They work together. They are support. It's like, okay, we're on a mission and you're doing this and I'm doing that, but we come here to home territory. We're not seeing this as a mission field and we're in it. You know, the, the bottom line question, I think partly behind this is, am I here to, what what is the scorecard I'm after here? Mm -hmm. Am I trying to build a church or am I trying to transform a community? Exactly. You know, my uncle was a missionary for 40 years in East Africa and I went and visited him spent over a month with them and it was interesting they the, the, the interesting question wasn't what denomination it was was i christian or was i muslim or was i tribal yes. that was like that was the only question no one debated about like theological issues it was like we're all for christ in this and we agree on these common beliefs and we're not going to worry about anything else i i think when we look at the transformation of the community which is the number one value that is what you, the apostles were called to. They'd walk into something in the New Testament, and they were called for the transformation of the community for yeah. Christ, not these turf-type things. Absolutely. Uh, so there's a bigger concept here that uh, just has uh, popped out of this. So there are lines, there are dividers, there are theological dividers that, you know, mm-hmm. we find our church of our flavor, if that makes sense. Um, sure. No church, no denomination has it all right. I don't. Uh Oh. You personally do. Okay, your, good. your denomination yes. might not. It, that's probably true. Right, yeah. right. That was so, a joke, by the yeah. way. Yeah. So, I mean, we each have these dividers, and there are styles of worship and styles of ministry in the pulpit, and just personality types that click, and buildings that feel more like home. Right. There's all this. Sure. Uh, so, my question is: is is the true spiritual objective for churches to get along and work together towards this objective of winning the lost? 
and risk the possibility that they might merge and become one church. That's what I, I, I'm hearing people say, we don't want to become, you know, we don't want to merge. We want to maintain our autonomy. And I'm like, it's not going to happen. Well, and that's just it because honestly, I, I like, I have friends. We don't live in the same house together. You know, I mean, I mean, I like Doug and Steve, but I'm not moving to Michigan or Kansas. At least the Lord hasn't called me to yet. You go to an ice cream shop and the ice cream doesn't all taste the same because it's all in the same shop that's exactly, about the same yeah, and I, purpose. Right. right. I, th- I think there's a truth to what you're saying and that's okay. But I think we have to see that we're on a mission together. And I think we have to say that we're still on the same team. You right. know, I, so I, co- I coached high school basketball for a lot of years yeah. and I had a six, eight kid, great kid. He could not dribble basketball for anything to save his life. He could do everything else, but he couldn't dribble. It would be illogical for me to have him dribble up the court. So everyone plays a role right. in that as well on the team. It's very interesting yeah. because um, part of me wants to rebel against what you just said, Doug, in that I imagine Jesus in John 17 praying, Lord, may they be one with several different flavors in with their own buildings. That's what I'm praying for, <laughs> you know, Father. That's what my prayers to them. But but beyond that, what I would say is that many times we misapply the scripture where it talks about the body of Christ. We take that to our individual congregations. We say within this congregation, yeah. someone's a hand, someone's yeah. a foot. Is it possible that the whole body of Christ is being referenced? And in your community, there are some churches that are the foot some that are the mouth, some that are the hands. Yeah, And your unwillingness to cooperate actually hinders the body of Christ. How many food banks do you need in a community? (laughs) I mean, you know, that's a thing that somebody does really well. Yeah, but this is the Wesleyan food bank. I know, and so the food is, it tastes different. They wear IT shirts People know that if they want to come to church, they would want to go anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, how... How many Christian daycares do you need? How many? I think that that's a really good question because we don't all need a a bunch of... I know Mike can speak to this, and I'm anxious to carry this on to the next podcast so we don't take everybody's all day while we ramble. But let's land somewhere, and then let's come back to this uh, when we talk about about the transfer portal. Let's let's come back to this a little bit with. Um, yeah, but I I do want to land. We'll we'll land. We'll I land do, but at the same time, I do think we need to talk about of uh, the elephant in the room with this is, what are the reasons why we shouldn't work together? Mm-hmm. I mean, That's is there fair. ever a time you shouldn't? You know, I I can still remember this vividly. We, I was having a Bible study at one of our church plants in in Burlington, uh, Kansas. Uh, we were we were down having a Bible study, and a lady walked in, and she said, "Hey, we're starting a community choir. We're asking all the churches to be a part of it." And I was really, really responsive. That that's awesome, you know, because I'm sort of newer in in, mm-hmm. in that area. Mm-hmm. And she leaves, and this lady looks at me and says, "You realize that she's Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. They're doing everything they can to you know." Sure. So, are there theological reasons to not get along with one another? I mean, you know, are there some? You know, we're in a time where gender identity and the LGBTQ stuff is out there. I'm part of a denomination that believes that women can lead men, that the New Testament, that Acts 2, well, clears out. the way. That's the end of this podcast. Yeah, yeah that's right. You know, you know what I'm yeah, sure. So right. how, you know, we, we, if we're going to be real, we have to we have to acknowledge those things. What well, do you think? Mike? And I think we do, but I, I think you also can keep space in that. Like, it's a little different when you're talking about certain parts in different arts. I think there's some orthodoxy you have to land on. But there's also certain parts you can go, well, I mean, we're going to agree to disagree here. Mm-hmm. And as long as you're not promoting that in that community event, 
right? Mm-hmm. Like Christ is glorified. I think that should always be the goal. Yeah. And I think most denominations agree that. I think you have to have those boundaries where someone's the steal. I'm going to give you a horror story right now, probably like the next podcast, but I think I'll just real quick here, is there was a church in a town next door to mine, literally paying leaders to leave other churches to come in. Yeah. And that, that that's a different level. Of, of, of stealing. Wow. Yeah, and it's it's actually happening right now, believe it or not. The story is continuing right now yeah. as we talk. And I, and I yeah. say all that to say, I think obviously, like, there's wisdom in that. But that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean we throw the baby off the bathwater. Like, I think we need to be smart enough to go, is that line ever, does everyone use that? Does everyone know I'm talking about when I say that? Because yeah. that might be a Midwest, Wisconsin thing. No, that is a good line. I mean, and, and I just want to say that, like, in reality, we have to, like, know when, when not this discernment, and it's also like, you know, knowing that time when like, man, this is the time when we're going to just put some things in the back burner yeah. and, and say this. So I think we have to land on that. I think we have to really ask ourselves at the end of the day, you know, when we come before Jesus, you know, how did, how did we treat our brothers and sisters? And that doesn't mean just in our own building. I think we think it just counts there. Yeah. Well, well, let's go ahead and bring this thing. Let's land this way. Land this yeah. plane. Yeah. What are just one or two things, and I have a couple in mind, but but one or two things that I can do if I'm sitting here listening to this podcast and I'm thinking, you know what, maybe I do need to stop stop this turf war idea, and and maybe I do need to become more of a missionary. Well, I think it begins with uh, eliminating your competition heart yourself. I think you start that. Yeah. Just check your own heart. Pray. Ask God. Uh, I think definitely that is. I mean, what else, Steve, are you thinking about? So I, I think the, the 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 two that I thought, one is a negative, like something I need to stop doing. If I'm ever criticizing other churches, if I'm you know critical of them, that just, there's no room for that in my exactly. heart and, and out of my mouth. But then if if you really believe that churches should start working together, would it be possible that there's a church in your small community that is doing a ministry that is needed they're doing it better than your church, and you should take some of your resources and go over there and help them accomplish that mission. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. Maybe like elicit some volunteers for it. Maybe put it in your budget. Mm-hmm. Maybe pray for it on a monthly basis. And maybe celebrate it even. Yeah, I, I'm going to land on these two things. Um, number one, I, I think you remove your own jealousy. I think it's really easy to look at something somebody else is doing and saying, I wish I could do that, right? Um, and I, th- I think the second thing is that you find the things that you agree on. If you're going to win a community, I think the world is sick and tired of looking at the church. Uh, keep people out based on some internal rules and keeping each other away from each other. And I think it's time that we start saying, what do we agree on? How can we love each other? We are seeing it in this community. In this community where I serve, in fact, in all three, we are seeing pastors cross denominational lines to serve together for the sake of youth ministry. And I'm even seeing it go beyond that, where they are funding other churches, ministries within the RCI because they trust each other. They're not jealous of each other. Now, when jealousy arrives, I can count on that pastor being gone very soon. They're not going to hang around. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, well, thank you guys for um, some insight. We are, what does our, our intro say that we're just sort of like a meandering, like we have this wondering conversation. Wandering conversation. Here's, yeah. here's the question though, pastor, as we wrap up today, mm. the question I want to just ask you, and you should ask this every time you listen to a podcast, any kind of training, is there something the Holy Spirit highlighted for you today? Yeah. 
this is, you know, who are we, who are the three of us to tell you what you need to do? But as you listen to us today, is there something that the Holy Spirit said, here's, here's an area of difficulty for you that I want you to address. If that's the case, uh, I just want you to surrender that, give it to Jesus and watch him use that surrender to bring about a harvest. Thank you for joining the Dirt Road Circuit Riders podcast. We will see you next time. The Circuit Riders would like to thank their partners for their interest in assisting rural leaders. Rich Roast Custom Coffee, supporting rural missionaries with a wide variety of delicious worldwide coffees. www.richroastcoffee.com Your church can enjoy a great cup of java while supporting rural ministry. Order some of their delicious varieties. Our friends at thinkorange.com wanting to join your team to help you create a better experience this week for kids and teenagers. Contact Leanne at crossroadsfarm.org for information about special incentives from Orange for rural churches. Vineyard Small Town USA, equipping churches to plant in small towns across America. Disciples of Jesus Making Disciples, www.multiplyvineyard.org slash smalltownusa. Crossroads Farm, working alongside our rural remote churches to provide an outsourced cooperative youth ministry that really works. CRF, loving the rural team, www.crossroadsfarm.org. Ask about our four-year training curriculum for servant leaders in student ministry. If you're interested in having one of the riders speak at your church or event, contact us at circuitriderspodcast at gmail.com. Dirt Roads Network, transforming rural America by planting and revitalizing life-giving churches in small towns and communities. www.dirtroadsnetwork.com For more information about the Circuit Riders or any of these partners, check out our Facebook page or contact them on each of their websites. On behalf of the riders, I'm Carl Miller saying until the next Circuit Riders podcast, happy trails.